If you want to start to take things to the next level, but you're not sure what's holding you back, then feel free to take my quiz. It's called the What's Holding You Back quiz, and you can find it at www.christinecorcoran.com.au slash quiz. It will take you through eight simple questions and then take you to your results, which will break down the main fear that's holding you back and ways to overcome it and resources to help support you overcoming it. Check it out and let me know which fear is holding you back. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to uplevel your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today's episode is an interview with Lee Shadell, who is a global master certified behavioral money coach and founder of the Mindful Wealth Movement. The conversation today, we dive into so much about our emotional relationship with money. We explore the possibilities of wealth and what we believe is possible can help shift and change the way that we look at money. Why women struggle with earning more money, our intergenerational money stories, money fears as a woman, how to take abundant action, how to move through fear as you up level, how to use money as an amplifier, and so much more about wealth creation and overcoming the money stories that keep us stuck and playing small. Lee is a certified money coach and certified wellness coach who helps creatives, freedom seekers, entrepreneurs, health and wellness professionals to change their relationship with money, develop the wealth they deserve to earn while helping the world be a better place. With her formal qualifications in yoga, well-being, and mindfulness, she also studies positive psychology, mindful-based stress reduction, NLP, and motivational coaching, which makes Lee's approach to money and business very unique and empowering. Lee is inspired to make a difference and to see a clear vision for social change and the impact that she wants to see happen in the world. In 2017, she was named the winner of the AFATAL Female Excellence in Advice Award, and in 2016 was named Money Management Young Achiever of the Year. Let's dive into this conversation and change our relationship with money. Amazing. I am so excited to be welcoming you back to the podcast. Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. It has been two years since we had the first conversation on the podcast about money. We talked all about debt and wealth and uh, it was such a great conversation. We had so many people really give such amazing feedback. And then recently we just hosted the Money Mindset Workshop for Love What You Do here in Brisbane. And that was incredible. So I want to welcome you to the podcast. And just to get started, let's. I wanted you to introduce yourself again because not everyone's going to remember that podcast or was at the event. So please introduce yourself again and what it is that you do. And then we'll dive into what we learned from that experience. Yeah, thank you. So I'm Leisha Dell. I'm the founder of Mindful Wealth. Um, my work is all about supporting women to create a really healthy and intentional relationship with money um, and to be able to use that as a resource to create the life that they want to live both personally and, and with business. Incredible. And so I had the pleasure of working with you and creating that money mindset workshop in November and it was such a joy. I would love to hear your takeaways. Like, What were your main takeaways from that experience? I loved that. I, that was one of my favorite workshops I've ever done. Um, 
purely because of the energy in the room at the end of the workshop. Um, I felt like it was just vibing. It was buzzing. Um, the women were just, and the one man, there was, a, there was one really brave man who turned up as well. And um, it was just energetic. It was alive. And I felt like it felt like it was pure potential. Mm. Um, everyone was excited and they shifted some of these fears and doubt and sort of really constricted energy around money and had completely transformed it into this feeling of, I can do this. I've totally got this. And it was just such a really beautiful workshop. I really enjoyed it. Mm. It was. And I just, I was so fascinated actually by usually when we have any form of conversation around money, there's a lot of apprehension. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. And a lot of people come into it with um, a lot of judgment, whether that be about themselves or taking on other people's judgment. And what was fascinating to me was that right from the get go of that workshop, as people were walking in, they were just like, this is how I feel about money. And even though those emotions were there, there was such an openness with it. Did you notice Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I did. I feel like money is such an emotional topic and you're right. I think if you provide the container, you provide the safe space, we're all dying to talk about it. We're all, you know, it consumes us all day. So give us an opportunity. And finally, when it's safe, it's like suddenly we're like, can't stop talking because there's just so much to come out that we need to talk about. Yeah. And even, and I would, I love to, I would actually love to really get your take on the differences what you see between men talking about money and women talking about money, because I literally had a session with a client yesterday. And when I asked her what her financial goal was with her business, there was this, like this pullback of, can I say, like she literally asked me, am I allowed to say? And I was like, please, please tell me, like, if, if we don't know where we're going, like, if we don't know what we want, where we actually want to go. We don't know what we need to do to get there. So please like shout it from the rooftops, let people know that you want to make money. There is no shame in making money. I think there's such a stigma around it that we need to shift, right? We need to move through this nonsense about having this fear around talking about money. So what's your take on what do you, differences do you see in regards to men and women when they talk about money? Yeah, I think it's um, it's intergenerational. You know, I think if we look back to our grandparents and even potentially our parents, um, women weren't ever really encouraged to talk about money. They may have managed the, the family household finances, but in terms of earning money and being the sole breadwinner or being fully financially independent, that wasn't something that was encouraged or even allowed, essentially. True. So we bring through these intergenerational beliefs and habits around money and we just take them on in our subconscious. So it's no wonder that it feels uncomfortable for us to step out of that comfort zone and start talking about it because not only do we have our personal beliefs and, and crap wrapped around, you know, how we relate to money, but we also bring in that intergenerational stuff as well and societal collective belief systems. So it can be really challenging for us women to step into our power and say, you know what, I love money and I want money and I want to be successful in my business and I want to make a whole lot of money to do all of the things that I want to do. Um, To actually own that and admit that can be really scary. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's a stigma around that earning money or being successful and being a woman and the impact that that has, like I was literally having a conversation with a client about it this morning around that, what that would mean for her partner if he wasn't the breadwinner, right? Like Mm. 
what that impact would have on the relationship and would that mean that he didn't feel needed and he's worrying about her having independence and all of these fears that come around that being a woman and being powerful in that stance of going, you know, this is my money and I've earned it. There's such power in it, but there's also a lot of fear wrapped around it as well. Hey. Yeah, there is. And look, it, it may change a dynamic in a relationship because there is that shift in power. And whenever there's a shift in power, it can cause an upset or a, a ripple effect in a relationship. But the key is communication and being really open and having honest conversations with the person that you care about the most about something so, uh, it's you know, about money, about talking about how do you feel about it? What fears does it bring up for you? You know, what would would it matter if I was the sole breadwinner? Because it will change the dynamic because there's a power shift. But I think the more that we can start talking about it, the better. Yeah. And I think it is starting to change. Like we're starting to see have representation of it in the world where we start to see there are women out there being more successful than their partners and marriage didn't have to break down. And yes, there may have been a shift in roles, but there is definitely just, a, it's about the communication for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's too in my experience and in past relationships as well, is I always think nothing is forever. So if you look at a relationship as a team, we're a team, we've got some collective goals, you know, we're going to both work really hard to make that happen. Those roles are going to shift all through that relationship. So for a period of time, if I'm stepping up and I'm killing it in business and I'm making some awesome money, um, that's going towards our collective goal, but that may shift and there may be a period where I'm like, I'm tired, I need to step back or I need to change directions or I want to do something else and then the other person might step up so rather than look at it as a gender-based role of who does what I think you look at it as a we're a team let's make it happen and let's support each other yeah absolutely absolutely and the other thing I actually want to touch on there is that when we think about making money in a business, like I think people have this stigma around that it's it just stops there. Like it's like, we're going to make this money and we're going to be successful and it's going to be a, a financial um, burden or there's going to be things that um, come along with that. But I think we forget and we often go towards the negative of what that impact is going to be, right? It's very natural for us mm -hmm. to, and very natural for our brains to think about the downfall or the danger that comes along with that. And I think the power in it is really starting to look and shift at the poss possibilities, right? Like when I was talking about this with my client yesterday, it's like, well, if she made that money, what would be possible for her and her business? And when she was talking about it, had she had such light in her eyes and such passion in the way that she was like, oh, well, I can give back and I can do all these amazing things. I can have an incredible team and they can you know, be self-sufficient and I can have this incredible business that's doing such great things in the world. Like... As women, I believe that we want to give. And I think when women have yeah. money, we're natural givers. Is that? Do you believe that as well? Yeah, I totally believe that. And I think you're right. I think the clearer we get on the possibilities that it would and the potential that it represents and we stick to that and we keep that as our anchor, the more that that noise around the fear of earning it can turn, the volume can be turned down a little bit. Mm. So what would you say to someone, so if there's a woman that has come to you in regards to wanting to earn more money, but she has a lot of fear around it and wants to be able to create all those things, but there's something holding her back, what would you say the best thing is to, where, where should she start? Yeah, that's such a good question because I get that all the time. Um, and the place to start is really to explore what's going on below the surface. So because a lot of what happens is that we have a conscious intention to go out and make more money, but we have subconscious um, beliefs and, and fears and habits and 
programming, which is counterintuitive to what we're trying to do. So what we need to do is get really clear and kind of deep dive and create some awareness, almost like shining a spotlight on it and going, what is it that's holding us back? And quite often it's coming back to a fear, a very deep-seated fear of being seen or not being good enough or fear of success or fear of failure, um, which are not generally rational. So if we can identify it first, then we can start to shift it and then we can align the conscious and subconscious to make sure that we are actually going to achieve what we really want to achieve. Mm. And then would you talk a little bit about how you help to embed new beliefs and how we talk about taking on new money identities? Yeah, and new beliefs to instill uh, take time. They do because our old belief systems have been there potentially since birth and prior to that if we've inherited them. Um, so they take time to shift and they require repetition and we can use things like hypnosis or meditation and affirmations, um, visualisation, all of those kind of tools. But it's also really important to take action to actually embed the new belief as a reality as well. Mm. I love that. And you know how I much I love focusing on taking action for sure. So if someone's wanting to starting to step into that new version of themselves and that new version of wealth, what type of actions would you start them to get them to focus on first? Yeah, I always think you've really got to stretch yourself out of that comfort zone. We've got these beautiful little comfort zones that keep us nice and safe and nice and small. Um, so stepping almost right out. And I'm a big fan of jumping out of the comfort zone because I always think, well, what's the worst that can happen? But not everyone is quite as bold or adventurous as me. So if you're not quite as ready to do the full dive off the top, top level um, diving board, you might just want to try something small and then feel like you're getting some success and then do something else. And I, I really do believe that small actions repeated help to create the momentum that's actually going to drive consistent and lasting change. As well. mm. And we've just got to feel that fear and just keep moving through it, right? Like it's always going to be there, no matter what, no matter how much certainty you even have around that outcome, there's still going to be fear that it's going to hold us back for sure. And I think it's when you see those people, those women that are out there creating this success and this wealth, they are pushing through that fear and they are allowing themselves to be seen and they are allowing themselves to be like, it's going to be okay if I earn money. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's really important to that, remember that those women are likely feeling a lot of fear. <laughs> I certainly feel fear every day and I, I kind of use it as a barometer to know whether I'm growing or not. Um, but I think it's about finding your your support network. It's finding a mentor, someone you can look up to and go, who emulates where I want to be in a really consistent way, the same kind of values, the same kind of lifestyle, um, who can I use as a bit of a vision board for where I want to be in business or success? And I think if we can use them and start sort of going, okay, well, what are they doing? Where, what are they reading? Who do they surround themselves with? Um, what did they learn? What did they study? What books? You know, all of that kind of thing. It can help us with almost like a framework or a template to start doing our own journey. And we're never going to be like them exactly, but at least we can follow in their footsteps rather than try and make it up on our own. And that's so powerful. Like, honestly, I absolutely agree with that. And I think a lot of the time when we're, we become a product of our own environment. And so when we're surrounded by people who are constantly have a mindset of lack, then we automatically take it on board. It's the same way that when you hang around with certain friends and they say certain phrases, you end up saying those phrases and you're like, Oh my God, I've started saying that. And it's because we, it's automatic, right? It's we, we're entrusted 
trusted environment and our subconscious takes it on to be true and then it becomes an embedded belief so i'd love that so surrounding yourself with different people surrounding yourself with people at that next tier of that next wealth level that you can start to see what are they believing what are they doing what actions are they taking but how are they how are they being in that state because yeah it's, it's a different energy right totally different energy and i think it's all about expanding how do i expand myself into this future version that i want to create versus how do i stay here and i feel like if you stay here you're actually going backwards so mm. when we kind of stretch and we step up and we we look towards expanding then we're always moving forward it's that forward propelling energy that you know it doesn't have to be fast or dramatic but it can just be small steps in the right direction and I think it comes back to, and you and I have spoken about this a lot in the past, is taking, shifting the mindset to say, you know, looking at my time, my energy, my, um, my health, my friends, um, the, my money, like looking at the resources that I have in my life and going, what is the return on the investment of all of these things? Um, it's a completely different way of looking at things. Mm, for sure for sure and I think I recall as we, as you we were chatting then I recall a conversation that I had with a friend of mine in the middle of this year and so I was going through a full rebrand of my business and I was having some fear around it having some challenges around it and she said to me and it was I literally couldn't picture it as she said it to me was like do you want a half level or do you want an up level and I was like oh Ooh. okay <laughs> and so when you take that on board it's like you cannot step into the person you want to be believing the same thoughts that you had back then. And you can't have those old limitations and then step forward. Like we've got to start to let go of that part of ourselves from the past and let, let go of those old behaviors, let go of those old comforts. Mm -hmm. So then we can start to create that new version of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that quote. If you want a different result, you've got to take a different action you know you can't you're exactly right can't keep doing the same thing and expect it to result in something different it, unfortunately it doesn't work like that but the good thing is that we have what i love to remind everyone is that we have complete control over it it's actually it's not out outside of us it's all within us and we forget that we give so much of our power away thinking that it's no, I just need to do that another course and I just need to um, get more money so that I can do this. When in actual fact, it's just about, well, what internal resources do I have and what external resources do I have and how do I use those in the best way possible to get that reality? And it's, mm. um, it's quite empowering to shift that mindset to go, actually, you know what, I can do this and I have everything I need to do it now. Yeah, because we can often be so focused on what's lacking, what's missing in our lives rather than what we actually do have. And when we shift that focus back to what we do have, it's much easier for them to build on that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, when we think about building wealth, we've really got to think from that place of wealth rather than of lack. Do you agree? Absolutely agree. And we do tend to, and it's not really our fault, but we tend to look at all the things that we are lacking in our life all the ways that we're not quite reaching the level of wealth that we desire. When if we turn that and shifted the perspective of it to see all of the abundance that is already in existence within our lives, all of the resources we have internally and externally at our capacity, mm. we then start to see it as everything else is pure potential opportunity for us to use those to, <laughs> to then generate more wealth rather than seeing it the other way around. Yes, 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 absolutely. So uh, as I like, and I'm totally using this as my own coaching session with you. <laughs> 
So as I'm up leveling and, and I'm going into this new year and thinking about 2020 and starting to put all these things in place, I would love to get your take on what would your advice be with up leveling a business as well? Yeah, it's, you know, and you would hear this all the time, but do not underestimate the power of a vision and goals. I feel like so many people come to me and say, I want to be successful in business or I want to be wealthy. And then I say, great, what does that look like? Really specifically, can you tell me how many clients you want, what revenue you want, how many days you want to be working a week, what kind of impact you want to be having in the world and how often you're kind of involved in your business? And people go, hmm, no. <laughs> so I, I think it's my number one piece of advice is get so specific and razor sharp on what it is that you want to create because the clearer we get on the vision that is our guiding point for how we're going to create it once we have that crystal clear the action plan and the strategy to make that happen becomes so much easier and the decisions that we make that move us towards that are so much easier to align because we have such a clarity around is this a yes or is this a no yes yes absolutely and i i think back to um we both were actually there where we saw lisa messenger speak about thinking about things in a completely different way and i kind of want to bring back like it, she focused on what i loved about how she thought about growing her brand and growing her business was that she had to focus on what it is that she did have because she didn't have a lot of money to throw around on advertising and, and reach and and growing her business it was like okay we need to focus on what we do have and what leverage do we have there to be able to then use a different form of currency because this is not just about talking about money. We're not just talking about the coins in your wallet and the, and the notes, right? Or the numbers in your bank account. When we talk about wealth, it's all areas of your life. Do you agree? All areas of your business. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love I, to more, yeah. Dive into that, please. I couldn't agree more. And I think at any one time we have so many resources available to us. And if we look from a business perspective, we, yeah, of course we have um, money that we can use, but we have leverage through our network and community. We have leverage through you being able to use the internet, um, you know, the biggest community in the world. And that doesn't even have to cost a cent. So when we say that we don't have money to scale or to grow, I challenge that as a false belief system um, because we can build a business on a very shoestring bootstrapped model i've certainly done it um i haven't had and a lot of my clients haven't had a lot of extra money to throw into their business or brand but you can still build it in a way as long as you sort of see the potential and i, I like that concept of do you see it as lack or do you see it as you know abundance and the way that we look at things completely shapes the opportunities we think we have available to us at any one time yeah so true so true and often when we are thinking of what's missing we're missing the whole possibility we're missing all of the opportunities and it really made me think back to like looking at everything that i've created like you look at all the collateral you look at all the avenues of your business and all the ways that you've got your hands in all different pies yeah you get you get to look at that and go okay so there is other opportunities here and it's not about what i'm um lacking it's what about what am i already leveraging what am i already yeah. using best of my ability and that was a big lesson for me at the beginning of this year because it was like okay so what am i doing to grow my business that's not money related and like you said with the internet like how often are you showing up online how often are you reaching out to new people how often are you creating and adding value like mm -hmm. all of that is putting stuff out into the world mm -hmm. now i want to dive into as a 
and this is some patterns that I start to see with women that I work with, and I wonder whether it's similar for yours, is that we're constantly putting stuff out and then struggle to receive. Do you find that as well? I do. It's probably one of the most common things that I see with a lot of the women that I work with is that we have a tendency to overgive. It's kind of in our nature. Uh, we give value, we give time, we give our energy, we give our money, we give things away for free. Um, you know, we undervalue ourselves. It's also a form of overgiving as well. And um, I always see it as almost like a lack of boundaries, a lack of understanding our true worth, but also um, a lack of clarity just to understand that if we choose to overgive all the time, if we're always constantly giving to everyone else, we are then depleting ourselves and our future selves and our future business because we are prioritizing everyone else over ourselves. And one of the things that I'm always teaching my clients is that there is a difference between being selfish and self-centered. And being self-centered is a really important trait as a business owner and in our personal lives to make sure that our cup is not only full but overflowing, but also that we are protecting ourselves and our future before we start to give it all away to everyone else because it's not sustainable when we do that at all. Not at all. And we see this happening so much with so many people burning themselves out and getting to that state of complete overwhelm where they actually almost go to the flip. Like they go to the extreme of the opposite, right? Where they're just like, give, 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 give. Nah, I've given too much. Now I'm going to take or I'm going to stop altogether, right? Yeah. And it's like, people yeah. are like, what are you doing? It's so bizarre. This is not you. And we start, we, it's because we've literally given way too much and we're just almost over empty right absolutely and it's a natural way of being if we feel so used and depleted even if it was our own doing that did that eventually the resentment kicks in eventually we get tired and overwhelmed and we just don't have the capacity to give anymore it's inevitable but when we do that from a business sense so i had a client this week and she's been in business for quite a while and she's at that point now where she's been undercharging for so long um, she's got an amazing idea an amazing business which hasn't quite got to where it needed to go because she hasn't she's been giving so much and now she's at the point where she's like i just don't even want to show up in this business anymore mm. i don't even want to i just want to get rid of it i want to sell it or close it and there's almost like this i hate this business but that was a that was self-perpetuating. That was created because it was not sustaining her. And the balance between giving and receiving it was complete. It was almost non-existent in the sense that the flow wasn't equal or fair in any way. So no wonder there's a point where we just go, oh, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And it, and it's so fascinating because we think it's not possible for us to control and we think it's outside of ourselves when it's absolutely within because all of that comes down to our own self-worth and it comes down to our belief in ourselves and what we value. Mm. And I literally have had this blog post in my head for the last couple of weeks that I haven't articulated it yet, but it's coming. And it's around <laughs> valuing yourself before and valuing what it is that you do before anybody else will. You need to start first from within. And I would then, you know, challenge that client specifically that does she not value what it is that she's putting out to the world? Yeah, because and ultimately, no, she didn't value what it was. And one of the things that we got her to do was take a full stock tank of everything she created in her business. All the goodwill, the relationships, all the materials, the website, content, 
all of the structures and products and everything she created, I said, I want you to list it all. And I want you to get really clear on what you actually have been spending all of your time and energy doing over the last four and a half years. And she came back to me and just went, I didn't realize I had so much stuff. I didn't realize that there was, it was so big and there was so much value in what I've been spending all of my time and energy on. Um, And I think it's, you know, quite often personally and in business, we forget to, to really own and celebrate everything that we have created because we have a tendency to, especially if we've got goals and we're driven, well, that's all great, but I'm not there yet. And I want to be up there and I've just got to keep looking forward. I don't have time to celebrate and really own what I've done so far. Mm. And that's such a, a, a common trait. Like we just don't celebrate how far we've come and what we've achieved. And that then builds on the imposter syndrome. We then but don't believe that we deserve what we've achieved. Like it's all so intertwined. And so celebrating your wins and celebrating what you've achieved so far is so important. Um, and, you know, I always talk about that, but there's, you know, I think when we go down to really valuing what we do, we've really got to consider the value of the business externally to ourselves as well. And I think this is what we challenge with being heart-centered entrepreneurs, being solo entrepreneurs, being creatives. What we do is we attach the business to ourselves and it it becomes a part of ourselves. And then we fear the impact of that. But then we also want to give but then don't want to receive because it's what we love and like it's all this stuff that we need to work through. Um, yeah. Well, I always like to encourage clients to think about their businesses as an entity outside of themselves. And I love Peter Kelly's work when she talks about that and having that as an entity outside of yourself in regards to like, what does the business need? Not what do you need? What does the business mm. need? flourish to, you know, be wealthy. What does it need? And when we think of it outside of ourselves, it helps us to see it, at a completely different perspective to go, well, actually it needs it to charge what it's worth, not what I think it's worth. <laughs> or what I think I'm worth, because ultimately we're using it as an extension of us. And we speak in exactly the same language because I see it all the time, particularly in the space of smaller business or solopreneurs, is that who I am as a business person, I then say it's me. This is me. This business equals me. So then I have difficulty charging or asking for what I need or actually just seeing what the business needs, as you said. Mm. And the way that by separating it and not even considering it to be your baby or anything like that, we just wanted to say it is a business that happens to be the business that I own and I run and I invest my time and energy and money into. We remove ourselves from it. We can then start to see and make more logical decisions with it. Because ultimately, when it's a reflection of ourselves, we make emotional decisions because we're emotional beings. So if we can separate it and see it as an entity, as you said, separate to ourselves, we can then say, okay, how do I logically make a decision as to what's best for this business as opposed to emotionally driven? Yeah, absolutely. And then then you kind of have to go down the avenue of like, are you having an employee mindset or are you having a CEO mindset? It's so different, right? And we're so, because often we buy ourselves a job, right? We end up leaving a position that we hated or that we, you know, wanted to leave and then create this business that we end up then working our guts out and think rather than working on the business, we end up working in the business. And then that spirals out of control to the point where we get become resentful like your client was before. And it's mm. such a spiral that happens that when we start to take, take time to really look at it, look at it as a separate entity, it helps us to really 
think about it differently for the long term. It actually reminds me of a book I just read recently, um, which I encourage everyone to read. It's called It's Not Your Money um, by Tosha Silver. Really cool book. And it's about also taking that approach to looking at money as not owning. It's not yours. It's actually a freely available resource that everyone has the right to own and have. Um, yet we look at it and we look at our bank account and we go, oh, my money, like that's my money and I don't have much of it so I mustn't be very good or I mustn't be very good or my business might not be great. or you know. So we attach so much emotion to it because we want to own it. When if we look at it and go, oh, that's love money and see it for what it is, well, there's not much money in there. Okay, versus, oh, I don't have enough money. <laughs> Such a different energetic charge over it. Um, yeah. We can start to then remove ourselves from that emotional relationship with it and start to make better choices with it because it's not an extension of who we are. I love that. I love that because it's really like when you think about it, it's we don't own anything. Mm -mm. We're in this life and we're attaching ourselves to things and we're accumulating all of this crap. Correct. <laughs> accumulating people we're accumulating relationships we're accumulating businesses and you know trinkets and all the clothes and all the crap that we hold in our space and at the end of the day when we die we're gone and we don't carry any of it with us we can't and we accumulate those things as a way for us to identify who we are and and prove our worth or prove our success or prove our happiness or you know and as soon as we can shift that mindset to say well here I am, I'm an individual and I'm a soul having a human experience and whatever way you want to look at it. But then we say all of these other things, money, relationships, business, whatever it is, they are just things that we have a relationship with. They are not an extension of who we are. Yet it's a hard lesson to learn and one that I'm still definitely trying to master myself. Um, I know, I'm looking at all my stuff in my office thinking, I just need to do a big clean out. I got it. <laughs> Stuff. I know, but it's not really our fault. I mean, we get over, and I'm sure it's more now, like more than 6,000 messages a day to go, buy me, have me, you need me, you're not good enough without me, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. So subconsciously, even when we're like, okay, I'm doing the Marie Kondo, I'm going to be really simplistic and I'm going to live a really great, simplified, beautiful life, um, it's really hard to then walk past something and see something and go, oh, I really like that. I'll just, I'll just add this one thing to it. And then suddenly there's another one thing. And yeah. it takes a lot of determination and a lot of willpower and mindset shift to be able to do that. And anyone that can do that, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm really, I'd love to know <laughs> what their secret is. But even taking on the mindset that this is actually, I'm just circulating this, like I don't own it. I don't, you know, I don't have ownership of this. I don't have ownership of the money. I don't have ownership of the things or the person, but I'm circulating it. And so in my lifetime, I'm circulating these things. I think it's a different, I, I just like that concept. Mm, I love it too. It's beautiful because ultimately it's true. Um, and whether you choose to get rid of something by giving it away to someone intentionally or goodwill or wherever it is or just throwing it in the bin, if we could be more intentional around that giving of it and receiving of it in different ways and so where we ultimately go out to the world and buy something as our go-to, if we actually start looking at it as, well, how could I maybe borrow or, um, you know, swap or trade or get a second-hand version of this, we start to open up the perspective to think, well, at any one time, we always have more opportunities than we can imagine. Our default might be just to do what we've always done and what we know. But if we actually expanded 
ourselves a little bit more, there's always so many different ways to do things. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to go back. There's two key parts I want to dive into here. One, I want to go back a little bit where we were saying, talking a little bit about giving and receiving. What advice would you give someone who is that overgiver? Like I've identified through this, through our chat today, that they are constantly giving and they're feeling that, that um, pull towards like, I'm starting to get resentful here. I'm starting to kind of like be annoyed that I'm constantly giving and not getting. What would you say? Like, how would you help them start to receive and start to open themselves up to receiving? Yeah, beautiful. Um, one of the activities I get my clients to do is I get them to do a um, like a stock take of all the ways that they give. So it's like a log and I get them to keep it for a week and I get them to record all the different ways that they give time, energy, clothes, possessions, money, attention, compliments, anything that they're giving away, they record it and I get them to then reflect on how it makes them feel when they do that. Um, and at the end of that exercise, it's about becoming intentional to say, what do I want to stop? What do I want to keep doing? And what am I not doing that I want to start doing? So that we're bringing more intention to the way that we are giving. Because when we give in alignment with things that really light us up, then it's in a really beautiful way and it supports us. But when we're just giving because it's our natural state and we're just used to doing that, Quite often we realise that we're giving away so much and we're not getting a return on that investment of our time, energy, money in any kind of shape or form. And we're almost doing it to get different. Like we're actually doing it to get the validation or we get the approval or to yeah. get to feel valued. Like I think that's one of my lessons this year was that I attached so much of my um, achievement and the output to my value in the world and when I had that shift to really realize that actually I'm already of value mm -hmm. I was born into this world deserving mm -hmm. having that shift of it just changed the way that I did things and changed the way that I put output was and it did actually change the energy around it and then impacted my business in such a positive way so it's I love it how you've put that there and that's such a great activity to do really attaching the emotions and understanding the mm -hmm. feeling that goes with it because when you, like you said, as you're giving, 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 it's not a positive intention. There's no feel good to it. There's not, I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. It's mm -hmm. doing to get. And it's, it's doing good. giving to get or giving with expectation or giving because we feel like there's something in us that we need to get from that experience. And, and we also need to realize that our resources, no matter what they are, time, energy, money, health, all of those things are actually finite at this point in time. Not to say that they're not potentially infinite, but in this moment in your life, you've got a finite amount of those things. So if we're just giving it away without any intention, we're actually really depleting those resources that we have. And we need to be really mindful that they're important. They're our assets. So if we want to be wealthy, we actually need to pay attention to the way that we're giving away our assets to the world. Mm. Love that. Awesome. Which is a perfect lead into my next question. <laughs> so let's, let's think about our future selves. So we're mm -hmm. wanting to create wealth. And a lot of the time people have that image of wealth being so far out in their future that they, whether they create that to be that it, they don't know if it's possible or whether it's just so far out because we're constantly in this game, right? This constant game, I guess is probably the best way to put it. I love, I would love to hear you speak on how to create future wealth and thinking about our future wealth now. Hmm. It's a difficult thing because the future is not tangible. 
it's an imagination. It's a projection of, of what we hope it to be, essentially. So no one knows what it's going to look like, but if we don't prioritise it and start moving towards what we want, we'll end up with something that we don't want. So understanding that our future selves are going to be really grateful if we start to do the things today that, that creates the life that they get to live in the future. And I think the more that we can create that link between who is our future self what kind of life do we want them to be living? What kind of house do we want them to be living in? What kind of car are you driving? How much money do you have in the bank? Um, getting, again, that vision around, getting really clear on what does future Lee look like? And if I don't know what she looks like, then I better get pretty clear on defining it because otherwise I'm going to probably end up with something completely different from that. Or exactly the same where we are right now. Yes, more <laughs> of the same, exactly. And you know, the only reason that, that we can create wealth is because we have an intention, we've got a clear vision, and then we take the steps to create it. For mm. some of us, we're lucky enough that wealth lands in our laps, but that doesn't happen for many of us. And we can wish to win the lotto or you know, meet uh, Mr. Wealthy and all of those things, but the reality is that it's probably going to have to be you that does the work to create the wealth, to live the life that you want to live. And the moment that you take that responsibility and show up for your future self, that shifts everything because then you start to say, well, I am a big believer that living in the now is really important, but not at the cost of our future selves as well. So we need to balance it and say, well, is this moving me towards that future life? Every decision I make, is it moving me towards closer towards it or further away from it? Um, and that one question can be really powerful when it comes to decisions or spending money or borrowing money. Um, you know, if I'm going to go out and spend $1,000 on something today and use borrowed money for that, I then just think, would Future Lee be happy with the fact that I'm spending this now? Such a simple question, and quite often it may be no. Um, but if it's a, well, probably because it means this and this, then then go for it. But just have that intention and that moment of mindfulness where you can reflect and just ask yourself and go, is this moving me closer towards that version or further away from it? Mm. And you can always use the same situation in regards to giving. Like if you're constantly giving, you could bring that back to the same thing. Like if I continuously do this, is it sustainable? Yeah. And who do I want to be? So in that future, is that future self doing the same thing? Like if, if I continue to do this, am I going to be completely depleted mm -hmm. and feel the same way in six years time? Like, do I want that for myself? So bringing yourself back to that space to go, okay, what's this costing me if I say yes to this, that I really don't want to say yes to. And that's the biggest thing. It's a great, simple question. Whatever that question is for you, that just makes you stop and pause and think for a moment. And that's all the beauty of mindfulness is just saying, rather than doing things automatically or always the way that we've always done them just stop and reflect and just go is this what I want mm. um, and that's such a powerful superpower that all of us have access to which we're not utilizing on a daily basis but it's one that can move us and dramatically look almost like catapult us towards really working towards what we really want in the future yeah awesome awesome I also want to ask uh I had this question the other day from someone who, um, and I'd love to get your take on it. So say you have a financial goal and you are working towards it, but you're, when you look at that financial goal, you feel like it's so out of reach or you mm -hmm. feel like it is um, almost like you're behind on it already. Like it's yeah. like things aren't working. You're behind on it already. Like how do you get back to that place to actually want to take action on it? 
Yeah, a great question. And I'm a big believer that we need big goals, but we need to break them all down to the science of motivation, the science of reward. Um, you know, we need to actually break it down to mini goals so that we're feeling like we're making progress because um, that can be really unmotivating when they're too big or they're too large. And then that can just stop us in our tracks altogether. Or we have a period of wobble, so we just stop and go, oh, it's just, see, I knew it wasn't going to work. It's too big. I'm never going to be wealthy. I'm never going to make that happen. Versus understanding that it's the small steps on a consistent basis that's going to get us to where we want to go. And we need to celebrate that. And we need to have different ways of reminding ourselves of what we're working towards. So I'm a big believer of using things like goal achievement charts. Um, so having like a picture broken down into segments and colouring them in every time we make progress. So if we're saving towards buying a house or if we're paying off debt, every time we pay off, say, a payment on our credit card towards that debt, we can then colour in that picture and then we keep colouring it in until we get this beautiful picture which represents us reaching our goals. So starting to bring it more tangible into how can I celebrate all of these little steps that I'm taking? I love that. I love that. And it's so funny because it's like, I can imagine like the impact we would get a dopamine kick from that. Like with that feel good hormone, we'd actually get a dopamine kick from it. It's such a simple thing. It's like coloring in and you think like your inner child will just love that. <laughs> it will. And it actually has this psychological effect to make you not want to break the habit or lose momentum because say I've got a picture and it's got 12 elements and I've done eight and then the next week I'm not going to be able to color in my next step there's something about well I don't want to do that I, I you know I've come this far I, I need to keep going so it helps to motivate us and reward us so the inner child kind of gets that that little um, playtime which I think we all need to allow as well I love that. I'm totally going to go out and get a coloring book that has an image that I think will represent my goals. Yep. I think that's such a really cool idea. And I then just, that. yeah, write your goal in the middle of it. Um, I actually have one I can send through as well as the bit of an example. Write your goal, financial goal, uh, break it up into how many steps. So if there's 52 weeks or if there's 20 payments you need to make to pay off this debt, um, or if you want to get to your sales target in your business, then you know, work out how many targets that is or how many sales that is and then colour them in every time you do that. And I did one recently. I just created a retreat and I only wanted to offer eight places for this retreat. So I just chose a picture. And then every time I sold a place in the retreat, I coloured in one of the little, it was a Mandela, so one of the little elements. And it just felt so good. So rather than just going, oh, I made a sale, it was oh my goodness, I get to colour it in. So it just feels, it feels better. It feels much better. Yeah, that's awesome. And it seems such a little kind of like childish thing to do, but it just, I think is so unique that I think everybody hearing that will feel like, yeah, that would, would make me feel good. Oh my God, we're such, we're honestly, we're inner children just walking around, aren't we? <laughs> I think so. And I think we forget that. And then this, you know, business person who has to be an adult all the time, rules um you know so authoritarian and doesn't allow any play in and i think when we approach our money too we quite often see it as this i have to be all adult and responsible and it has to be all black and white and boring and but if we introduce some lightness to it and some play and some fun and make it more creative and it just it changes the energy around it again 
Yeah. And I like it how you talk about the fact that money is an energy and it likes to be managed and likes to be taken care of. So that feeds into that as well, right? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. I feel like we so often forget that. We forget that the more that we pay it attention, the more that it's going to pay us attention back. And if we view it as we're in this relationship with this energy, just like I'm in a relationship with you as a friend and as a, as a mentor, if I don't pay you respect, if I don't give back the same level of energy that you give me, the relationship can't, it can't be nurtured, it can't grow um, versus, and I think we take that approach to how we view money and wealth in business. It changes the way that the actions that we take, the energy we bring to the relationship, the way that we show up and, and just be with that. It, it shifts it completely. Mm, absolutely. Love it. Love it. So what is, what's happening for you for the new year, 2020? Talk to us a little bit about what you're leaning into and what you're building in your wealth. Yeah, beautiful. I, um, I've had a year of reflection. So my business has grown beautifully. I spent uh, quite two stints in the US this year. Um, so next year for me is actually going to be less travel. Um, and that's intentional because I'm wanting to bring the focus back and I want to ground a little bit. And my highest value is freedom and freedom is expressed generally through travel and being location independent and doing whatever I want when I can. However, and this is what I teach my clients as well, without a solid foundation or stability, we cannot have the level of freedom that we desire. So my intention for 2020 is to come back and go, how do I create a really solid foundation to then really expand into that wealth and that freedom that I'm really wanting to create? Mm, so good so good because honestly I had this like epiphany this year around like when we talk about our core needs right we freedom is like a value of variety right having fun and adventure and excitement so that's feeding a core need of variety and I'm very much driven by that as well and when it comes to creating the results that I wanted to see in my business in my you know in my health and fitness in different areas of my life the variety, the need to fulfill that need for variety actually was coming across almost like a self-sabotaging behavior. So it was a need, but it was in an in a unresourceful, um, unsustainable way. And so the epiphany was around like the opposite of variety is certainty. And a lot of the time people who are driven by variety will repel certainty. And so certainty is about planning and, and structure and routine and rules and all of that type of thing, which makes, you know, people who are driven by variety, like just irks them. <laughs> but then for a business to grow, it needs consistency, planning, structure, systems, procedures, all of that. Right. And so it was like this awareness around going, okay, even though the, ups and downs of business feeds my need for variety for me to get to the next stage of growth and to be able to, to be able to grow it. I need to lean into the certainty and feed my need for variety in a completely different way. Otherwise it's completely off balance and it will never actually get to where, where I want it to go. I love it. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think if you apply that approach to business and money, awesome. You're going to get a different result completely because so often we do repel the opposite. It's like, well, I'm this focused. So I doesn't mean I do that. I'm a spender. So, you know, I don't save or I'm a saver. So I don't spend, um, or, you know, I'm a planner. And so I don't have any fun. There is no either or it is, you find your balance on that continuum and it will shift at any time, depending on what the need is. And I think the more that we can lean into 
building both because we need both. One does not exist without the other. So without the structure, we cannot have the freedom or variety. And without you know the freedom, we cannot actually, um, we feel unfulfilled and we feel like we don't have that foundation that we're craving. So taking like taking back a step back and going, it's not an either or approach. It's a balanced approach, I think is really important. Mm. Yes, 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 yes to all of that. Love it. <laughs> is there anything that you're up-leveling on at the moment? I'm, I am doing lots of study at the moment um, and that's purely uh, more personal development, but I feel like the more that I up-level, the more that that's going to benefit my clients ultimately as I show up as a better version of myself. Um, so what I'm studying at the moment is a bit of EFT. Um, I'm studying some regression therapy. I'm also just about to dive into some Tantra um, study as well, which I'm super excited about. Um, I'm doing some more yoga training, um, and then I'm constantly looking and attending different events. So you and I went to the Inspire and Succeed event on the weekend. So I'm always just looking at opportunities to say, what can I learn? You know, how can I just soak it all up? I read so many books and I listen to so many podcasts. And you know, I just feel like learning is um, such a beautiful, rewarding investment of my time and my energy. And um, I get so excited by it. And it just shifts your perspective in so many different ways, right? Like it mm -hmm. opens up and creates this expansion of not just knowledge, but the way that you thought one thing was one way, it changes everything around it. So I'm, I agree. I do the same thing. Yeah. I like being challenged like that. I like thinking about that because, you know, I might've been doing something in my coaching for a long time and then I read something or hear something or I'm exposed to something. And I go, huh, wow know maybe i could do that instead or maybe this could be implemented and it just um it's fascinating so cool yeah so good awesome i mean we could chat about this for hours and i wish i could do like 17 podcast episodes with you which <laughs> may end up happening over my lifetime um but i would love to um finish off with where do you hang out most online where can people find you yeah, so I'm mostly on Instagram. It's probably my number one go-to place um, because, again, I'm quite creative, so I'm always inspired by other people. So I love looking at other people's posts and I'm, I'm usually hanging out there. I'm in a few Facebook groups as well, but I'm less and less these days hanging out more on Instagram. Mm. Do you find that has an effect on the way that you interact with money? What do you mean, around social media or...? in terms of what's inspired me or what do you mean by that? Yeah. Like, do you feel like that has an impact on your clients, the way that we compare on social media or that the impact that, that social media has on our, on our, you know, wealth creation? Oh, absolutely. I think we need to be really careful about the projection of social media um, in perception versus reality. Um, now I've, tra I've traveled a lot and I've spent a lot of time in the U S and I've met some really big influences over there, huge influences. You know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of followers, a million followers. And the perception of the life that they portray versus the reality of the life that they portray is not always what it seems. Um, and that was a really big learning curve for me. It's a way to just go, wow, okay, be mindful of that. And I think what I want to make sure that I embody whenever I'm using social media is authenticity to say, mm. this is my real life. This is who I am. It's not all perfect moments. It's not all amazing profitability and smashing business goals and getting up on stage and nailing a performance. I mean, that's certainly there and I'm happy to share that. But there's also times where I'm like, this is so hard and why am I doing this? And 
I just want to, you know, a six-figure job and just go back into a salary. Like, I have those moments too. I'm human. Um, but I feel like we get so caught up in making sure that people see the highlight reel of our lives and not the reality. And I just think it's so important to show up authentically in business and personally to make sure that, you know, other people know that it's okay that you're struggling in business if you are, because if you weren't, you would be a huge success by now. <laughs> exactly. And I think it, it does distort our belief systems and distort our um, perception on what success is. And I think what's really important is that we need to really define what success means for us and have that as our vision rather than the, you know, the cars and the laptop lifestyle and all the nonsense that goes on on social. So just to finish off, I would love for you to share what's your version of success. Yeah, I love that. I think success for me personally is getting up every day and being able to inspire and work with women and feel like I'm giving back to the world and then being financially rewarded for that in a way that supports me to live the life that I want to live. Um, I don't have big financial success aspirations of owning mansions and you know, driving um, driving really super nice cars because that's not of value to me but I used to think it was so it's really important to define what it means to you personally for a business point of view how do I want my business to show up as a success what level how big how many clients and then how do I personally view my life as being successful mm, they're different things aren't they and I think if we can communicate it for ourselves gosh, we can actually realise when we achieve it. That's one thing. We'll get there and we go, oh, this is what success is, how I define it. I can celebrate it because otherwise we'll go past it and look back and go, actually, I felt more successful when I had less clients, more time, you know, more freedom. Um, or we can then still be motivated to achieve whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. And if it is massive success and the big flashy stuff and that's what really lights you up, then right. that's amazing too, right? That's like cool. That's awesome. Big. And I... I, I go for it. Power to you. I think whatever it is that lights you up, chase it and don't be, don't feel shy or embarrassed or um, guilty. Don't get rid of all of that because it's what matters to you that matters most. And what other people think does not matter at all. As long as you're doing it for you, that's all it's about. And yeah. I think we need to have more people speaking their truth and speaking up and talking about how much they earn and talking about the success that they want and the money they want to make because that will just change the dialogue of what's been happening out there in the world and it will take away the shame and the guilt, right? Isn't there such a stigma around um, loving money? Like there is such a stigma about it. I love money. I love it. The more yeah. of it that I can have, the better. And I want lots and lots and lots of it because I can do so many cool things with it and I can help lots of different people and I can live a really cool lifestyle. And who doesn't want to do that? I don't, I don't believe there's anyone in the world who doesn't want to live the life that they want to live. And they, we need to realize that in order to do that, we're going to need money money, and you're going to have <laughs> to love money to bring it into your life. So I'm with you. Let's talk about it. Let's love it. Let's love it up. You know, I, I think there should be no shame in absolutely wanting and, and loving money. Yes, 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 yes. So that is our message to you who are listening. Just learn to love money, love money, talk about it and experience it and feel good about it. So when you're earning it, celebrate it. When you're receiving it, welcome it. Like do all those things to really welcome it as if it is your best friend and it'll stay around forever. <laughs> I love it.
Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with us your insights, your wisdom and your knowledge. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week. And here's to taking your life to the next level.